Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, founder and executive director of the Commonwealth Policy Center and your host. The armed forces have been in the news recently as the Biden administration has pushed to subsidize women in the military who are seeking abortions across state lines. But Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville is opposed to the effort, and he is holding up military promotions until the Biden administration stops this. To talk further about this issue is Elaine Donnelly, the founder and president of the Center for Military Readiness, an independent nonpartisan public policy organization that reports on and analyzes military and social issues. She served on the Defense Advisory Committee on Women in the Services and the Presidential Commission on the Assignment of Women in the Armed Forces. She's also published articles on military personnel in the Washington Post, USA Today, National Review, and The Federalist. In fact, she has a, an article that just came out recently in The Federalist. Elaine, welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. Hi, Richard. Nice to talk with you today. So, Elaine, Senator Tommy Tuberville has been in the news recently because of his opposition to the Biden administration policy really circumventing state-level abortion laws. Some states have restricted abortion. In fact, like Alabama, Tommy Tuberville's Alabama, very serious restrictions on abortion there. Here in Kentucky, we have serious restrictions here. And the Biden administration is circumventing these laws, and they are subsidizing women in the armed forces who get pregnant and want to cross over state lines, wherever that may be, to get an abortion. Now, Tuberville has gotten a lot of criticism, even some from other Republicans. This is what Tuberville said. The military is not an equal opportunity employer. We are not looking for different groups, social justice groups. We don't want to single-handedly destroy our families from within. He's very much pro-life. He campaigned on that issue. And he's saying no to the Biden administration on uh, this issue. So, Elaine, if you could give us some, I, I think I probably just give a thumbnail sketch. There's more to this issue than what I just said. But how, how, does, this, how does this affect the military overall? Let's just get out of the state level for just a moment and look at the military overall. <laughs> the hold that uh, Senator Tuberville put on group nominations uh, really has minimal effect, although some families, uh, it is unfortunate that they are negatively affected. But every one of these nominees could have been, or most of them could have been confirmed by now, if Mm -hmm. the uh, majority leader in the Senate, Senator Schumer, had -hmm. been calling them up for nomination. But uh, Tuberville is doing something that the Democrat side has done many times to protest policies of the executive branch, putting a hold on nominees from that executive branch. It's not unusual. It is, I guess you could say it doesn't happen every day. But it certainly has happened before, so it's nothing new. Uh, The effect on our military is minimal. But what is interesting about this, as the weeks have gone on, he started this back in February, March timeframe, the heads have just exploded to an unprecedented degree. I mean, it's so much vitriol is being aimed at Senator Tuberville. They're even doing commercials that I've seen on TV, accusing him of being anti-military. And it's it got me to wondering, wait a minute, there must be something else going on here. Uh, who is really uh, protesting and why are they protesting? Well, the more I looked at it, logically, you can see that if the Secretary of Defense gets away with subsidizing abortion travel and time off, very generous subsidies for abortion, 
even though Congress has specifically said they don't want the Department of Defense to be funding abortions per se, it gets away with that. It's not going to end there because the same people pushing for these subsidies are the ones pushing for similar subsidies for adults and children to go across state lines to get treatments, including surgeries for gender dysphoria or to get gender affirming care, as they call it, which is really uh, Orwellian because what they're really talking about is attempts to change biological sex. And, and the success rate is zero because you can't change biological sex. But if you want to go across state lines to where it's legal, uh, the Department of Defense is already being pressured to allow for that. In fact, according to the Daily Caller, they're doing it for children under something called the Exceptional Family Member Program. So the point of my article in The Federalist this morning is, if you think that this is only about abortion, no, it's about much, much more than that. And that's why the LGBT left <laughs> is targeting not just Tuberville on abortion. They're going after the defense bill, which is really full of a lot of really good proposals, including two or three that they are highlighting. One of them is that same uh, exceptional family member program I just mentioned. Yep. There's one there that says you can't use defense funds for, uh, well, attempts to change biological sex that can't be done, of course, what they call gender affirming care. Mm -hmm. um, these amendments are very important. There's also one to cut off the funding for abortion travel and time off. So they're targeting these amendments. They want them taken out of the House bill. They don't want them in the final bill. And there's going to be quite a showdown. It's going to happen in the next several weeks, in the month of October. But I'm just hoping that uh, Senator Tuberville will hold strong. So far, it looks like he is. And oh, by the way, he is correct. Our military is not an equal opportunity employer. It is not subject to the Civil Rights Act and mm -hmm. other laws because it is a different institution. Meritocracy is the most important thing. You need the best people in the, in the right jobs. You don't do it with gender quotas and diversity quotas, equity action, all these kinds of things. The defense bills are also targeting those provisions, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion mandates. Uh, they're saying we want meritocracy. There's an amendment in there, the meritocracy amendment offered by Senator Wicker that we hope will get through in some form in the uh, in the conference committee. Bottom line is this, <laughs> who makes policy for the military? It's Congress. Yeah. Uh, Senator Tuberville is exercising his right uh, under checks and balance, Remember the Senate and the majority members in the House and Republicans in the Senate should join him in getting a solid defense bill and I might add appropriations bill separate uh, that takes on the uh, establishment of wokeism in the military. Uh, every Anything good that happens this year, hopefully they'll do more next year. And ultimately, we need a new president to turn everything around. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that point. One of the things that Republicans have embraced, and even moderate Democrats, uh, at least in the past, they've agreed that you should not use tax dollars to fund abortions. Of course, this issue was handed back to the states after the Dobbs decision last year, where the Supreme Court ruled that Roe was a terrible ruling. And they said that this is an issue left to the states. Well, several states have banned abortions, including Kentucky. 
I believe it's around 14 states that have abortion bans. Now we have the Biden administration trying to circumvent the laws right here in Kentucky. This is an issue that affects us because we have two large military installations, Fort Knox and Fort Campbell. And they are circumventing our state law and they are using our tax dollars to subsidize uh, women seeking abortions across state lines. Now, here's the question, Elaine. I'm, I'm puzzled as to why some Republicans are opposing Tuberville's efforts. Well, they've bought, they have bought into the liberal line of argument that we keep hearing from these critics that have sort of lost their minds, uh, that Tuberville is somehow hurting readiness. Uh, again, there is a problem with nominations not being confirmed, but it can be overcome. In fact, it was Senator Tuberville himself who called the bluff of the Democrats by moving on his own, using a certain senatorial maneuver to bring up three nominees for a vote, one of them being the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't support or did not support the nomination of General Charles Q. Brown to be the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs, but he was confirmed. 11 Republicans voted against him uh, because it Senator Tuberville went to Schumer and said, uh, I'm going to do this, and and if you don't want me to do it, you better do it yourself. So Schumer blinked, and they did get those three through. If they had been voting on individual nominations all along, we wouldn't be having the problem that they say we have. But I'll tell you, some of these criticisms, one of them that was most amazing, uh, the Secretary of the Air Force, uh, Frank Kendall, said, oh, well, you know, other countries are being critical of us. And um, an Air Force colonel went to an embassy event and uh, a colonel, a Chinese colonel said, you have a problem with your democracy because of that evil Senator Tuberville. Now, mind you, this Chinese colonel comes from a nation where routinely babies are killed before and sometimes after birth. And he's worried about the opinion of a Chinese colonel. I mean, come on. Senator Tuberville is, is just you know, I won't say he's laughing it off, but he's blowing it off. He is not letting that um, cause him to waver. And that's good. But if he should be somehow coerced to give in, it will not end there because the Pentagon will use the new precedent to have travel to states where, let's say in Kentucky, you have outlawed uh, surgeries on children. And we did, by the way. Right. Removing healthy body parts. But let's say someone at Fort Campbell uh, wants that for their child, and they've been told their child has to have this, and they want to move to another state, say my state, Michigan, uh, to to have that kind of surgery. Well, if the Pentagon decides to subsidize that travel, they will use as their precedent the subsidies for abortion. You see, it's all about access. The key word is access. It appears in the DOD regulations, I think, 17 times on 22 pages. I mean, that's no accident. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to have a right, but they say not only should you have that right, you need to have access to implement that right. And if if it's necessary, DOD will use their funds and facilities to implement that. They're they're, they're splitting hairs. You can say that's not directly subsidizing abortion or transgender surgeries, but it certainly is indirectly, and it's contrary to the intent of Congress. So that's why, again, the intent of Congress needs to be more clear. And that's why the pending amendments should be retained in the Defense Authorization Act. 
Lane, I want to come back to that thought about the idea that military um, servicemen and women have some kind of a right to a certain thing, whether it is abortion or um, transgender care, whatever it might be. I want to come back to that. But before that, I want to go to National Security Spokesman John Kirby. Uh, He gave a rationale for why this subsidizing abortions for women who need to go out of state to get an abortion. This is what he said, and I'd like you to respond. What if you're assigned to a state like Alabama, which has a restrictive abortion law in place, and you're concerned about your reproductive reproductive care? What do you do? Do you say no and get out? Some people may decide to do that. And what does that mean? That means we lose talent, important talent. Is that, is that true, Elaine, that we're going to lose talent because the military doesn't isn't subsidizing women getting abortions in other states? The exaggeration is really ridiculous. Uh, the same... Uh, uh, Mr. Kirby said, uh, in essence, abortion is is such a right. It, it, it's it's almost he tweets it almost like a sacrament. Uh, it's fundamental. I believe he used that word that the DOD must uphold this fundamental right. Uh, so Senator Wicker wanted to find out what was the size of the problem. Politico reported only a very few uh, military women had actually. Uh, asked for reimbursement for travel to have abortions. And Senator Wicker was reliably informed and asked for confirmation that it was less than 12. Mm-hmm. So to the extent this is a problem, it is not a huge problem. It's a small problem. Um, but even if you say it's the principle of the thing, uh, the principle is the Department of Defense exists to defend the country. Right. It does not exist to provide subsidies, funding, for controversial medical procedures. Uh, We know also there are outside groups that benefit from grants to provide these services. We know that in the latter months of the uh, Obama administration, the medical costs for people who said they had gender dysphoria jumped by 300%. And in some cases, the commander said they had to use maintenance funds and other operational funds to provide travel to other states. Now, this is going to add into a lot of money if there's no restriction, because as you know, once you get started on the the futile attempt to change your biological sex, that's Mm -hmm. a lifetime commitment. And it's very, very expensive. It's not just the surgeries, so-called puberty blockers, which do enormous damage to the bodies of young children. And even adults, once you start going into this regimen, and keep in mind, the DOD only recommends medical care in one direction. You're supposed to go all the way and affirm your gender identity, what some have called your your pseudo-sexual identity or synthetic sexual identity, SSI. There's a new acronym for you, Mm -hmm. Uh, synthetic sexual identity. The more you try to pursue a a synthetic sexual identity, you're talking not only a commitment that lasts for years, an awful lot of money, an awful lot of pain, and in many cases, risks of suicide, depression, and things like that increase. They don't get any better. So certainly anybody who suffers from gender dysphoria, this is a serious psychological condition. It does exist. These people deserve psychological care and certainly loving support from their family. Most children, when they experience this confusion, they outgrow it. Most of them do. But Mm -hmm. for adults, they do require 
competent medical care, that means getting more than one opinion because the opinion of the so-called experts in uh, in creating synthetic sexual identities, mm-hmm. they only have one form of recommendation and that's where the, that's where they want you to go. That's where the Pentagon wants their people to go. Elaine, we're going to take a break here for just a minute, but when we come back, I want to talk about this idea that you have rights in the military. My understanding is a little different, that you give up some of your rights, but I want us to get into that in a little more detail as to how the military has transformed, if you will, in this idea of being a cohesive fighting unit where you give up some of yourself and some of your rights in order for the greater good, and we've really lost that notion. If you're just joining us, you are listening to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm here with Elaine Donnelly, and we are talking about military policy. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. There's a lot of confusion about the governor's race this year. False claims, denials, and smoke screens. But at CPC, we cut through the smoke so that you can know what the candidates truly believe and what they would do if they got elected. That's why we've interviewed the candidates in person and put together voting resources to help you better understand who represents your values. So go to our website, commonwealthpolicycenter.org, to find out more about the candidates and who would lead Kentucky in the best direction. And hey, make sure you get out and vote on Tuesday, November the 7th. Early voting begins on November the 2nd. So plan to vote this year, make a difference, and vote your values. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, your host, here with Elaine Donnelly, the president of the Center for Military Readiness. And Elaine, I have noticed some things in the last 30 years or so, some real big changes in the military. Um, I, I think back when I was in high school, there was this ad. It was very popular, and it was um, it went like this, be all that you can be. Uh, for And that was really <laughs> played in... I don't know if people join the military to be all you can be. Of course, there's a lot of benefits to that. There's discipline that's gained. There's skills that are gained. You can muster some courage and strength. And and you're also doing a worthy thing by defending your country, serving your country and the protection of your country. I think those are worthy things. Shortly after that ad campaign, I remember the Army of One. (laughs) You're an army of one. And I thought, this is strange. An army is never just one person. Uh, and it's never about one person. But today, we have this very different notion of what the military is for, as we're talking about in this program, and uh, how individuals fit in. And, and related to this program, though, we're hearing from high-level Pentagon officials and national security officials who are talking about rights, like the right to abortion once you're enlisted, and we're going to subsidize it regardless of what the law says, regardless of federal law, uh, the right to um, transgender uh, care uh, and transitioning and that the government's going to pick up the tab. Under the Obama years, you write in your article that there was a 300% increase in medical costs for 994 active duty service members diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Many of them were transitioning to the opposite sex. Um, So we've gotten this idea, gotten to a place where the military is a place where you can I guess maybe the term is self-actualize, and the taxpayers are going to pick up the tab for you to do that. How? And you've been involved with this for, for several years, monitoring policy, commenting on it, analyzing it. 
Um, what is happening with military culture and with this notion that the military is there supposed to defend us as a cohesive unit where some where you give up some rights um, to a place today where we have high level officials talking about well it's the rights of the military members how do we get to that place the reason we honor and respect our men and women who serve is because they do sacrifice even if they don't get into a direct combat operation they are putting their lives on hold they are devoting their lives to defending this country in many different ways it's a very special occupation the slogan that you mentioned, be all you can be, I'm going to take a moment to recognize the author of that slogan was a General Maxwell Thurman. And he was so proud of that slogan. He was head of recruiting command. He was a member of the presidential commission on which I served. And uh, that slogan was one of the most uh, recognized and successful slogans for advertising seen in the, in the world at that time. And yet, as you say, the Army started fiddling around with it and changing the, the culture of the military along with it. Uh, when someone joins in uniform, you don't have labor unions in the military. There's a reason why. You're, right. you're always risking your life. The risk of putting your life on the line is part of the job. Uh, rights are limited. You can't say just any old thing you want. You can't be critical of the president, for right. instance. You can be court-martialed if you walk away from your station. Uh, even if you're not in the middle of a war, you can be court-martialed for not carrying out your duty. It's an entirely different environment. And that's why Senator Tuberville was right when he said military is not an equal opportunity employer. But these outside groups, the LGBT left, the groups that receive subsidies from the government, this includes Planned Parenthood and various transgender activist groups, uh, they are embedded now. They've wormed their way into the Pentagon. They were there under Obama, but even more so under Joe Biden. And they're taking advantage of his executive orders, which say that we shall have in all branches of the government, including defense, diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, is the primary objective. Now, that is contrary to what we need in the military, meritocracy at all times, the best to fight and to win, to, to protect each other, to confront the enemy and to win the war. You don't compromise on any of that. But the administration did compromise on that. And that's why, again, Congress has got to put in law certain provisions that say, no, meritocracy is the most important thing. We ban discrimination based on race. That is pending in the NDAA. We don't want to see symbols and diversionary um, goals, political goals like diversity, equity, and inclusion quotas. We don't want to see critical race theory instruction, which pit mm -hmm. racial groups against each other. That is also in the NDAA. We don't want to see drag queens uh, and, on military bases entertaining adults and children yeah. in the drag queen story hours. Yeah. Uh, the Secretary of Defense already admitted that was inappropriate. Congress is trying to codify it, and guess what? The liberals are opposed to that amendment because they want those drag queens. They want those flags that are not authorized. They want the LGBT left to stay embedded in the Pentagon. So all of these issues, the COVID mandates uh, is another one. All of these issues are wrapped up into the defense bill this year. And it remains to be seen how many of these amendments will get passed. But I would 
encourage your listeners uh, to go to my webpage and you'll see a summary of all the good amendments and what is happening with Senator Tuberville, what happened with the uh, con confirmation of this next chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, General C.Q. Brown. Uh, yeah. Our military is in trouble. The only good news is that Congress yeah. is starting to push back and they have a real chance to do some good here. I think so. Elaine, I'd like to go back to what you mentioned about drag queens on military bases. Uh, the Navy was in the news recently. They hired a drag queen influencer, an enlisted person who was, I don't know, dressing in drag and influencing. I, I have not seen the commercials, but they did this for some time and they just closed closed that down. It wasn't effective, which I don't know how somebody dressed in drag would be a good spokesperson for the military. It militates, um, I think that's a good word, against the values of military service, discipline, self-sacrifice, Right. There's the difference between male and female. There, I mean, the whole thing, and and of course they shut it down. Um, how have you commented on that? As a matter of fact, I wrote about this particular sailor. His name is Joshua Kelly. Uh, I wrote about him four years ago, and it was during the Trump administration that he was doing a drag drag queen strip tease on the carrier Ronald Reagan. Hmm. And we know this because Navy Times reported on it. Big picture of this guy doing his strip tees and the splits and all that. And here he is in tights and red shoes, um, an amazing spectacle. And I brought it to the administration at the time, but nothing was done about mm. it. So mm. he's been out there having a good time ever since. And here comes the Navy and says, oh, he's got a big following on uh, YouTube or TikTok or whatever. So they made him a recruiting ambassador. It was a temporary program. The program has since lapsed. but the drag queens, other drag queens, have been performing on military bases a lot. And only until this past June, just before there was a big event scheduled at Nellis Air Force Base, and the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, put a stop to it. But they will be back because they are embedded in the Pentagon. Their advocates are embedded in the Pentagon. This is not appropriate. As a matter of fact, if Joshua Kelly, the sailor, can do a striptease, uh, sexualized performance, on the carrier Ronald Reagan, mm. then why can't Navy women dress up and yeah. show off their beautiful bodies and do a sexualized striptease on the carrier Ronald Reagan? You yeah. see where we can go with this? Yeah. It is That's inappropriate right. adult, it, I won't say behavior, it's, it's, it's adult entertainment. Some people find it amusing. Yeah. Uh, and yes, I saw a drag queen performance once, so I know exactly what it means. Um, but that should not be sponsored or supported, uh, given the prestige of occurring on a military base, and certainly not before military children. Elaine, we have just a moment, and I'd like you to comment on one last thing, and it's related to this. The armed forces have not met their recruitment goals, um, I think, for the last couple of years. Obviously, the drag queen influencer uh, that we're talking about, that hasn't helped. But there is a move with. Um, requiring women when they turn 18 to to register for the draft is that the answer this year for the first time in about three years uh there is no measure in the defense bill this year to include women in registration for selective service they just didn't do it this year so that's good news we don't have to worry about it this year what they'll choose to do next year remains to be seen uh, the military should not be used for social engineering of any kind 
uh, no, no assignments should be made or admissions to service academies or anything like that if they don't strengthen our military. Nothing should be done that weakens our military. Uh, that's why it's so important to stay vigilant. And that's why I founded CMR. We're celebrating our 30th anniversary. I hope your audience will check us out. We're at www.cmrlink.org. And you'll find a lot of information there about all of these issues going back a long time. And many of the things we predicted a few years ago, they're happening under this administration, but it doesn't have to stay this way. Uh, that's why we need we need a lot of people to get involved and support our military in this mm -hmm. area of public policy. Civilians mm -hmm. get to control the military. That means all of us, that's right. not just the members of Congress. Elaine Donnelly, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, if you've enjoyed this program, uh, please go to iTunes or Spotify and rate us. Then please tell your friends about this podcast as well. Uh, thank you so much, and may God bless you.